good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys have a good week, a bad week? It's okay? Indifferent? Got thumbs up from uh, the blondes. That's good. They had a good week. Um, so this morning, picking up where Zach left off last week, um, we're going to talk about fear and how that, uh, how we're supposed to handle that when we experience fear. And just quickly, show of hands, how many of you guys experience fear often? How many of you guys would describe maybe fear as a part of your life now and again? Anybody? A few hands? 50%? Okay. Got a lot of confident, not fearful people in here. Um, that's good. I think the truth is, you know, fear and anxiety uh, come into our life in a few different ways. And, um, you know, Jesus calls us to uh, have a change of perspective when we experience fear and anxiety in our lives. And changing our perspective on things can be difficult, um, more difficult for some rather than others. But I think that um, it's good for all of us to kind of assess our perspective on things and um, be open to changing that, seeing something in a different light uh, can be good for our souls. As we're going to see, um, Jesus calls us to not live a life without fear, but to change our perspective of the things we fear. Um, Matthew chapter 10, we are finishing, coming to the end of uh, the second discourse, second block of teaching that Jesus has. Uh, there are five blocks of teaching in the book of Matthew. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is the first one. We've covered that. This uh, group of teachings is called the Missionary Discourse, um, Jesus equipping and preparing his disciples to go out and to spread the good news on behalf of Jesus. The next group of teachings is called the parabolic discourse. You're going to see a lot of parables in there. Um, the one after that is the discourse of the church when Jesus starts preparing uh, his disciples, structuring what the church would look like for them. That's the first time we see the church mentioned. And then the last one is the Olivet discourse, Jesus teaching on the Mount of Olives, kind of addressing end times, those sorts of things. Um, and so it's good for us that Matthew has structured this in such a way we can kind of focus in on these ideas. And this one, as we finish up the missionary discourse, Jesus is still preparing his disciples. Before we dive into the verses that uh, we're going to start today, um, I'm just going to read the verses. You know, I'm just going to skim through them highlight some things, uh, verses 16 through 25. This is where Jesus ended uh, last week. He said, uh, I am sending you as sheep to wolves, and they will hand you over to the courts. They will flog you, 
Brother will betray brother unto death. Fathers will give their children over to death. Children will have their parents put to death. You will be hated by everyone. And because this happened to me, it will happen to you. Verse 26, therefore, don't be afraid of them. Jesus mentions all these terrible things and then says, don't be afraid of them. And that doesn't make sense because these are things that we should be afraid of, we should flee from, we should avoid. And Jesus says, we're going to be heading straight into those things, but that we shouldn't be afraid. I think we have some natural kickback against that because we have an instinct to avoid death. We have an instinct to avoid pain. We have an instinct to avoid danger. And we naturally recoil from those things. And fear is a very powerful thing. I mean, if you think about the things that maybe you have uh, a slight phobia of, the things that you fear, the things that fear, um, the things you won't do because of fear. You know, there are people who won't um, get on airplanes because they're scared of flying. There are people, uh, I've met people who won't go on missions trips because they're scared of snakes, uh, people that won't swim because they're scared uh, so much of drowning. So we understand fear. We understand that it does hinder us from doing certain things. But when we read this list that Jesus gave us, uh, the things not to be afraid of, you know, going uh, and getting flogged, being dragged into court because of your faith, being betrayed unto death. You know, I don't think my dad has given me over to death. I don't think I've tried to put him to death. You know, I don't think that I'm hated by everyone. And so it's hard for me to directly relate to this list. And maybe we won't experience these things exactly how Jesus uh, lays them out because of when we're living and where we're living. But there are people who do experience these things. But for us, we do experience some things. Zach touched on this a little bit last week. What if Jesus said, you know, you will be overlooked in your job for promotions because of your faith? You will miss out on opportunities um, that could, you know, be really great for you. You'll be called simpletons or bigots, and people will classify you as a part of society that just wouldn't be missed because of your faith. You know, you will be the target of attacks of terror. We can relate to those. We've probably some of us experienced those. And to be honest, those are things that I try to avoid. If I'm in a position, I know when I worked for a, a corporation that really uh, viewed itself as a progressive, uh, accepting all corporation, um, there were times that my faith was a factor in uh, me getting a promotion or me uh, furthering myself in that company. And, you know, it was super tempting to speak in such a way that uh, my faith didn't seem like a priority. 
know, because the easiest thing for us to do in situations like that is to keep quiet. We can avoid all of that trouble if we just don't mention our faith, don't make it a big deal. I think it's easy to keep quiet. Um, but there are people who have a hard time keeping quiet. Have you guys ever met one of those guys that you just look at them and it, life would be a lot easier for you if you just talked less. Life would be so much easier for me if you talked less. And our frequent thought for those people is just, you know, if you just shut up, it'd be so much better for you. And the truth is, that's how we engage most of our lives. We look for the easy way. We look for what would put us in the best situation. But for the Christian, keeping silent about our faith isn't an option. It's not an option for two reasons. Uh, if you read through the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament, Jesus and, Jesus is not an author, but uh, in his Gospels and then uh, the Apostles' epistles, we see that when we talk about our faith, when we talk about our Lord, when we talk about his Gospel, it's good for our soul. It builds up our faith and it strengthens our heart. Um, if you guys aren't involved in a community group, um, I would recommend that. Um, our community group, we have a lot of, maybe not lively discussion, but we have honest discussion, and it's super good. And I see that um, just talking about our faith with fellow believers is super good for my soul. It's super encouraging for me. Um, and we leave that night, um, I think, just really encouraged. And I think everybody across the board can say that. We have a few people that have come to our group that maybe don't know where they stand with the Lord, maybe are experiencing things, um, searching their souls a little bit. And it's really good for them to hear us talk about our faith. And it's good for us to hear them talk about where they're at. And then even in you know, different jobs that I've had, talking about my faith, talking about the gospel in a way that's real, in a way that's tangible for my coworkers, for my employees. You know, I saw a lot of them um, have an exposure to the gospel that they'd never seen before. I saw a lot of them be blessed by those conversations which leads into the second reason why we can't keep silent as Christians about our faith. Uh, when we talk about our faith, it's contagious. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. And so as we talk about faith, it kindles something in the hearts of non-believers, in the hearts of the not yet saved, and um, the good news spreads when we talk about our faith. And so Jesus gives us encouragement to speak up, not because we don't have anything to fear. There's plenty of things to fear out there, but because we're fearing the wrong thing. There's something bigger than the things that uh, we find so frightening. Verse 26, therefore don't be afraid of them since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear 
in a whisper proclaim on the housetops, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus starts by telling us not to be afraid since God sees everything and that we should fear God more than anything else. And we read this, uh, fearing God, it's a big theme in the Old Testament. Um, God fears those who fear God. Um, if we look at the definition of fear in the Greek, the Greek word is phobeo. Um, that's where we get our word phobia. And the definition is straight up to be frightened, to be frightened by something. But when we, um, we understand that with people who are trying to kill us, people who are trying to harm us, to be frightened of those things. But with God, we have to take into consideration not just the definition of the word, but the sense of the word. And so when we see the term fear God in scripture, it carries a sense of reverence, understanding you know, not that we are terrified of God, but we realize how terrifying God can be. There's a sense of awe. There's a sense of reverence that we have for God. Kind of get this feeling. Um, you guys go to the fair at all? The county fair, Kootenai County Fair? Um, I heard the Spokane Fair is kind of cool. Um, and, you know, you go see all the animals, and there's goats, which... I see them every year and they just look so weird always. It's like that seems like an animal that was just combined and I don't know. They freak me out. And they always look at you with the eyes that are like and go in different directions. I get freaked out by goats. Um, but then you, you know, you see the chickens, the sheep, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the horses. And horses, you know, I've ridden a horse before. Um, they are so big. And they're not known for being mean animals. They're not like, look out for the horses. They're going to get you. And Jesus doesn't say, I'm sending you a sheep to horses. But, you know, I, I've seen Fail Army. I've seen America's Funniest Videos. When someone gets kicked by a horse, they are down for the count. And then they have these things called Clydesdales, which is like steroid horse. I am terrified of these things. And you go to the fair and these little kids like shoving their hands in the horse's nose and you're like, you don't know. You don't know that can kill you. And I just have this, um, maybe I'm terrified of the horse, but you know, this idea of reverence and respect, like I'm not going to stand behind a horse. I'm not going to make any sudden movements around the horse because I know what it is capable of. Um, yeah, it, it could just lay me out if it wanted to. And so carrying this idea in light of God, who's much bigger than a Clydesdale, he created the entire universe. What is he capable of? You know, I could fear death, but this God could kill me, and then if he wanted to, raise me up from the dead. He's sovereign over everything. And this is the God who sees all injustice. Nothing happens without him seeing this. And scripture tells us that he will judge it. You know, I think it's 
um, can be overwhelming for us as we look at the news and see that, you know, in some countries, just straight up genocide is happening. In this country, um, people are being marginalized and um, not treated fairly or justly. And Jesus tells us, you know, don't, don't fear these things that are happening to you. Don't fear these injustices because God sees them. He doesn't ignore them. Ultimately, justice will be served. Jesus says, don't fear these things, but fear the one who, with a word, created life and breathed life into humankind. And I think this raises a question that some of you, you know, might ask. And for a while, I was under the impression that it was wrong for Christians to be scared. I saw fear and um, being scared, uh, anxiety and worry. I saw those as straight sin. And the truth is, they are emotions. And how do we deal with them? Uh, you guys know King David, David and Goliath? Uh, he's kind of famous in the Bible. Um, so he's known for being a little kid when he was a little kid, taking out a giant, taking out bears and lions and horses, um, killed tens of thousands of enemy soldiers. And he was a poet. I don't know if that makes him more hardcore, but in my mind it does. Um, but he wrote a lot of the Psalms that we read. And in Psalm 56, he says, uh, to God, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. He didn't write, I shouldn't be afraid because you're here. He didn't write, I shouldn't have anxiety because you are my God. He said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am anxious, I will give that over to you. When I am experiencing these things, I will change my perspective and realize that you are bigger. Jesus doesn't call us to live a life without fear, but when we are afraid, to change our perspective. I know someone bigger. I know someone who can handle the thing that gives me fear. Um, I forget when it was last year, the year before, my wife and I went skydiving. Um, and I am scared of heights. John's here, he knows. Uh, he helped me re-roof my house, which means John re-roofed my house and I threw shingles at John. Um, so we uh, just wanted to go skydiving. We were turning 30, that's a big deal to young people. And so we decided um, jumping out of a plane would be a good idea. So we go down to Ritzville, where they have uh, this skydiving facility. It is um, an old warehouse uh, with a bunch of surfers that aren't currently surfing. And we walk in, and the guy is in flip-flops. He's our pilot, and he's making breakfast, an English muffin. And um, there's this beautiful plane in this warehouse. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And eventually, I was like, so when are we going to fire that thing up? And they're like, oh, that's not, that's not your plane. You know, it's just you two this morning, so we're going to get our other plane. It, it wasn't a plane. 
It was like a lawnmower with wings. And it comes up and it looks, um, you know when they have like car delay and they have all the old cars and then people bring their cars that are in their barns thinking like, this is the same thing. It's not the same thing. And they bring this plane out and it is so small, it is so old. Five of us cram into this plane and I don't know if any of you guys have been inside an old Volkswagen. Um, this is smaller than that. And so Jess, um, we each get paired with an instructor. And Jess gets like the cool party instructor. He's just like this guy that's just loving life. And uh, I get a guy. Um, he's a very large man. Um, he was also cool, seemed like a partier. But uh, he had this Eastern European accent. And there's part of me that's like, this guy's seen some stuff. You know, like, I don't know if he was ever like an operative, KGB, I don't know. Um, his name was like Ivan or Kremlin or something. He was, he was hardcore. And uh, everything was just very, Spencer, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. Um, and I obeyed him because I was scared of him. And so we pile into this plane, and here's a guy who, you know, Spencer, you're going first. And they open, you know, we're 12,000 feet in the air, and they open the side of this plane. And there's just this, like, wooden two-by-four that you're supposed to step on. And so he says, step there. And everything in my body is saying, do not step there. But the Russian said, step there. And so I step there because I feared this man more than falling to my death. And uh, we jump out of the plane. It was awesome. We had a good time. Jess loved it. I was like, yes, that is done. I don't have to do that again. Um, but I understood that this guy knew what he was doing, and I did not. Uh, he, I don't think, was scared of anything. I was scared of heights and falling and death. And so I just trusted him, and it turned out OK. When we understand that God is greater than all the junk that we come across, anything that would cause us to fear, we can trust in him. And on paper, that makes sense. But why would we be more comfortable trusting God than facing things on our own? Why would God care about saving me, comforting me, getting me through something that I'm facing. Verse 29 says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs on your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You know, it's interesting about sparrows. Um, they are small, and they might seem insignificant. But um, have you ever thought about sparrows and really any animal? They are better at being sparrows. Sparrows are better at being sparrows than we are at being human. God created sparrows to be sparrows, and they do a pretty good job at that. And he created us to be humans and worship him and obey him, and we are terrible at that. And so in one sense, the callings that sparrows have on their lives, they're killing it. 
and the callings that we have on our lives, not so much. But God values us more than sparrows, more than many sparrows. He says that he knows the number of hairs on our heads. And I know that as we get older, that gets less impressive for God because we start losing that. Um, you could, you know, for some of you, he knows the hair on your back. He knows all the new hair that's showing up. But he values us. He invites us to be his children, to address him as father, as Abba, which is daddy. He implores us to ask him for everything, to be honest with him about our anger, about our frustrations, and to be honest with him about our fears. I think that, you know, for you know, at the beginning of this, we said, who's scared sometimes? Who experiences fear or anxiety? I think the key is to be honest about that. Because the worst thing we can do is pretend that we aren't afraid, pretend that we don't experience fear. I think that uh, when we do that, we just kind of, it just gets bundled up in our hearts. Um, it robs us of confidence, of joy, and just locks us in this kind of stalemate with what we're supposed to do. You know, we can't preach the gospel well if our fear of the world is bigger than our fear of God, if our fear of our security and our um, stability is bigger than our fear of God, if our fear of people is bigger than our fear of God. You know, and sometimes when we get into good things, how, how am I raising my children? If my fear about that is bigger than my fear of God, um, I lose that confidence, I lose that joy. And when we see in scripture how good God is, we see how loving and faithful he is. On paper, that doesn't make sense, but in the situation, that fear is real. Uh, my boys, you saw one of them just try to tackle me earlier. Um, Joanna saved me, thanks. Um, they are three. And so now they're, they experience the world a lot more than a year ago when they were two. They see things, they observe things, and they're just little sponges absorbing things. And they like bugs. They have a few books on bugs. And so when they see an ant, they freak out. They're like, yes, this is the best day ever. There's an ant on our deck. There it is. And um, you know, if the ant crawls towards them, they kind of back away. They're not too sure about ants. And the other day, um, you know, they, they know ants are small. But they were taking a bath, and this ant like crawled up on the edge of the bathtub, and they're like, oh, look, an ant. And I don't know what caused me to do this. I flicked the ant into the bath, and they lost it. They're just like, oh, there's an ant in the bath. And they're like standing up and trying to get out. And um, their fear was very real, but it didn't make sense. You know, they didn't understand the ant. They didn't understand the ant and the bath. Those are two disconnected things for them, and now they're the same thing. And I think for us, when we experience things that we're not sure about, you know, that fear is real, and it can be, I mean, it can make us freak out. 
Some of us put on a face and we bury the fear, say that we're not anxious and we're not fearful. Um, This is totally me. You know, for the most part, I'm a confident person. I never have the feeling that there's a situation that I can't handle. Um, But the truth is there are plenty of things that I fear. You know, um, I really care about how people think of me. Um, I own my own business, which is a miracle in itself. And some of that freaks me out. And, you know, when I get all these different little fears or anxieties, um, sometimes I pray about them. Sometimes I'm honest with God. Uh, Sometimes I bury them. And there's been a handful of times in my life where I've had uh, anxiety attacks and For those of you who are confident people, um, experiencing anxiety attacks is kind of like an out-of-body experience because you're like, oh, my heart rate is rising and my vision is like tunnel vision and I can't move and this can't be a panic attack. I'm a confident person. It's very um, just a weird feeling. But what it showed me was I'm not dealing with these things as Jesus calls me to. I'm not dealing with these things as Jesus would have me to. Because it's hard for me, it's hard for us to realize that God does value us because we are always the prodigal son. We're always the one that wasted the grace and the blessings that God has given us and we come crawling back and every single time we're the one that ends up with the ring on our finger and the party is on is in our honor because God loves us the God that we revere the one who can raise us up from the dead he loves us unconditionally I think it's hard for us to realize that sometimes that the value um, God values us more than we value God every day So when Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid of these things, not because they're not big deals, they are big deals, don't be afraid of these things because God is so much bigger. And if you had to choose between being afraid of an ant or a Clydesdale, be afraid of the Clydesdale. If you had to choose between being afraid of dying or afraid of the one that could raise you from the dead, the one who is sovereign, over all things, fear him, revere him. Jesus tells his disciples, don't be afraid. Go and speak the truth, speak the good news, and turn the world upside down. If God's for you, who can be against you? And we get to look back at those 12 men and see that they did. They did turn the world upside down, and some of them died horrible deaths, as Jesus said. But that didn't stop them. We see that, you know, in the book of Acts and in church history, that these disciples were bold in the face of danger, bold in the face of opposition and adversity. And they turned the world upside down. Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. Go and speak the truth, spread the good news. Turn your city upside down. Turn your household upside down. Turn your workplace upside down. 
If God is for you, who can be against you? And when fear enters your heart, when anxiety enters your heart, be honest about it. Don't try and shove it under a rug. Be quick to hand it over to God. Because in the next life, when that comes, all these fears, in hindsight, are going to seem silly because we'll be with the one who values us. We'll be with the one who loves us unconditionally. I think, you know, for us, living in uh, Coeur d'Alene, it's pretty, you know, it's a happening town. It's a quiet town. have a few celebrities that visit here, but for the most part, it's a pretty chill place. You know, it's not like Portland or Los Angeles or any other place that's crazy. Um, but I think for us, we can get comfortable. We can lose sight of uh, the calling, the mission that is placed before us because that's um, yeah, a pretty laid back area. And so I just encourage you guys to take a step of faith to um, just have your eyes open to the opportunity that God has before you. Maybe some of you um, know that you live in fear at work, that you live in fear at um, your job or your school. Um, you know, maybe some of you work for Christian organizations and it's still, you know, you operate in fear and not in boldness, not in honesty. So, um, yeah, as we close, uh, my heart for myself and for you guys is that we would be um, not afraid of uh, these things that um, are so small in comparison to the God who is uh, so much greater. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And um, God, we just want to take this morning as we uh, just worship you in song, as we worship you uh, through the act of communion, that you would join us. God, that you would, um, yeah, that you would just open up our eyes to the things that maybe we are afraid of. Maybe we are um, just running away from you uh, for the sake of uh, what we think is safety or security. Um, God, I pray that you would be encouraging us, strengthening us, challenging us uh, to walk in fear of you more than anything else, and that we would understand that um, you are able, that you are worthy, and that your care for us um, is unmatched by anything else, that you value us more than we could ever um, see. So God, I pray that you just join us here this morning. In your name, amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.